This is The Reprise, a Young Artist of America podcast. I'm your host, Ajima Essien, and today's guest is theater director, actor, artist director, dog dad. He has a lot of different titles, Kevin McAllister. Hi, Kevin. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Hey, Ajima. Yes, this is great. I'm looking forward to our conversation, and let's see where this goes. So the first thing that I love to hear from everyone is how did you first get involved with the art. Initially, I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Like that was my life stream. I had seen a lot of shows and you online and everyone was like coming out feeling better after their nose jobs and their, you know, their tummy tucks. And I said, you know, I want to help people. And I remember I joined Medical Careers Club and we went to see a uh, rhinoplasty, which is a nose job. Mm-hmm. We took a small hammer and basically broke someone's nose. And that was it for me. I was just like, that. nope, that's gross. <laughs> that changed my trajectory in life very quickly. And I ended up in um, a beginning choir. My best friend at the time ended up going to Morgan State University here in Baltimore, Maryland. She convinced the whole choir, which is world famous at the time, to come to Baltimore and do a concert. And she kind of dragged me to the choral director and made me audition for him at the concert. And oh. he, he was like, I want you to come to Morgan. Uh, Dr. Nathan Carter, late Nathan Carter. Um, and basically offered me a scholarship. And it kind of just put me on a very classical track for about four and a half years where I was told I was going to be an opera singer and sang all over the world and did Porgy and Bess more times than I could count. And kind of fell in love with classical music, but found more and more it just wasn't passion. Came back home after years of singing everywhere and kind of just fell into teaching in Baltimore City. As we all know, that's a very rough livelihood. Shout out to those who do it every day. From there, I started singing at churches and got a recommendation from one of my choir directors at a church that I should sing for Toby Ornstein, Toby's Dinner Theater. Mm-hmm. And they hired me immediately to take over a role in a production of Ragtime. Um, I did not know that it was the lead role. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know much about musical theater at the time, so I was hired to play Cole House. And then I had to learn the show, I think, in like two and a half, three weeks. But they only rehearsed three days a week, so I only had like eight or nine rehearsals. And from there, fell in love with the drive of it. Toby Ornstein kind of coached me on acting because I had no acting experience. It was it was tragic. Um, and <laughs> from there, it just kind of, all of it has kind of been happenstance. It's just being... Mm-hmm in the right place at the right time, just stumbling into the right people saying, hey, oh, I like what you did. Do you want to come audition for? Hey, really just been fate. I honestly say that there are angels walking on the earth all the time. And I think those were the people who were just like, you're supposed to be over here. Grab him. He's supposed to be over there. And and I'm literally thankful every day for everyone who's even seen something in me I've never seen in myself. But it, it's true that I feel like the arts is literally where I come most alive. I would love to hear you talk more just about like the different connections in the business and like how small it truly is. I've learned so much from people who are smarter than me, who are more creative than me, who are more determined than me. And more so, I've learned more from people who know other people that I don't know. So I think the biggest thing we can do as artists is always get to know the people who are standing next to us, the people who are pulling the curtains, the people who put wigs on our heads, because they come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think most of my career has been built on talking to the people who are often overlooked. But they've also been working in these spaces for years. 
and they know everybody and they know the tricks of the theater and they know what can get you who and how to get access to this and that. And I just think sometimes artists get so caught in the tunnel of the walk towards fame and fortune that they forget that there are so many people who are not only ahead of them in this tunnel, but also these people who are pulling them along through this tunnel. There's something to be learned in everything, be it good or bad, and then mm-hmm. take what's bad and figure out how to turn it into good. Because a lot of people just avoid jobs because, oh, the last time I did, I was terrible. Oh, I don't work with this director. It's like, mm-hmm. just address what didn't work. Try to change it so that you don't have doors closed. My hope is that at all the theaters I work with, they all feel like, yeah, we would have Kevin back here. Um, mm-hmm. And if not, be willing to have a conversation with me about why to see if maybe there's a misunderstanding um, on, on either part. Because yeah. wrong. I haven't loved everywhere I've worked, but I have tried to find a way to love the work I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so collaboration is key, especially here, because the DMV has so many small theaters and so many big theaters, and everybody's working at every single one of them. You can go from Genie Center to Arena to Art Century to YAA and bounce over mm-hmm. to Toby's and then swing back to Monumental. It's just one big web so don't count yourself out of anything because all of it is relevant and necessary and it pays the bills yep retweet on that amen and amen (laughs) so i know um you worked with young artists of america to do their production of sophisticated ladies and now you are back to uh direct aida i want to ask you um about what your process is like working with young artists i start every process with trust what makes an artist uncomfortable like, so then I have a very clear electric fence surrounding every artist that I work with mm-hmm. because all of us come into a room wanting to do our best, but we also come into a room wanting to protect ourselves from sometimes from what the character may require. Each one of them is going to need their own language with you as a director. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can find that language with each artist and be 100% honest with them in a loving way, always they're always gonna work to find the truth in the character because they know that you are celebrating everything they're doing. The truth of it is always coming back to, we have a trust here and I trust my director and I trust that he's gonna tell me, "Mm, mm, good, but I know there's something deeper in there. Okay, great, yeah, okay, let's do it one more time. And then once we have the trust, we go into, okay, we've got this blank page that we're coloring on, what colors do you wanna use? But sometimes your colors might be better than mine. Directing has to be a collaborative experience because at the end of the day, the people on the stage are going to know those characters far more than the person who's responsible for looking at 40 individuals. With YAA, it's very interesting working with so many young minds who are full of questions, who are always front and center, who are willing to try. We're working with so many young minds who are being dropped into, let's explore African dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they're all looking like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Who wants this line? And seeing people just grab and, and mm-hmm. saying who's going to be in this choreography. I think I can do it. Great. Let's do it. So the yes and community at YAA is a very strong and beautiful one. And it's exciting as a director to walk in and see so many people willing to show up. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what more could you possibly ask for? Do you feel like your experiences as an artist, as an actor, mm-hmm. sometimes influence like the way that you yes. direct? I've had directors uh, lead with the color of my skin. I've had directors lead with my height and, you know, being taller than other people in the cast. I've had mm-hmm. directors lead with the idea that, 
you know, we're set in the 50s or 60s in the South. And so obviously there's a certain history that comes with you as a Black man. There's a lot of pain that directors can easily inflict on someone if they're not careful. And so as a director, I am always trying to be upfront, but also wrapping them in the idea that no one is going to celebrate you more than I am. It's important to me that all of the artists at YAA or wherever I direct understand that they have a direct line to me at all times because yeah. it shouldn't be, oh, I'm an ensemble on the left and I've never spoken to the director. Mm-hmm. The show doesn't work unless I, I know all of you and I, I'm featuring all of you and everybody's contributing to make this beautiful pie. I would love to sort of segue into um your journey recently as an artist, because you also have recently come off of a Broadway run of Caroline or Change. I would love to start with how you first got involved with the project. I got a call from my agents and they were like, they're doing this revival of Caroline or Change. Are you interested in going in? I personally did not know much about the show. Hmm. So of course I said, yes. Um, I was like, like, of course. Yeah, why wouldn't I go in? Uh, Went in to New York for a couple of uh, casting agents, interns, and people, and sang the song, and that was it. And didn't hear anything for like two, three weeks. Then I called from the agents again, saying, "Hey, they want you to come back one more time." It was a few more people in the room that time, and they went back for the third time, and it was. Everybody there. Uh, Janine Tesori was there. Uh, Tony Kushner was there. The directors, uh, music directors. There were people with video cameras. It was a whole big to do. Mm-hmm. Went in and sang. And I left that callback feeling like you did really well. Maybe two weeks later, got a call saying I was cast. What would you say was the most rewarding thing for you um, being in Carolina Change? I had this idea that I couldn't do what was set in front of me. Hmm. Like I could execute it, but I couldn't give fully over to what it demanded. Mm -hmm. And that was just because in my head I had said, yeah, if you can do this and, and doing just enough will get you through. Mm-hmm. But I was fortunate enough to work with a director who was like, you can go further. Working with someone who's constantly pulling on the threads of things that I've kind of weaved together to hide myself behind is, mm-hmm. is a fantastic experience because it allows you to kind of break through this thing you didn't even know was there. And so I think when I went on stage and, and got to portray the, the dryer, who was very much proud of the space he owned, and then have this bus solo soliloquy aria standing center stage by myself is a powerful thing on a broadway stage at that point it didn't matter what the audience thought because i knew the family i had created was fully supporting me what advice would you like to give to the next generation of artists it's okay to not be okay (laughs) a lot of what we do is rooted in bringing parts of ourselves to the surface And I also think on the exact opposite in that scale, a lot of what we do is rooted in pushing down what normally would float to the surface. Mm -hmm. On Tuesday, we feel really great. And on Wednesday, we realize that one eye is bigger than the other. (laughs) Mm -hmm. On Thursday, we realize that we didn't print out headshots. And then on Friday, (laughs) 
we realized we got that callback for the commercial we wanted. And I think the uncertainty is the thing that people discredit when the uncertainty is the thing that people need to count on. And, and truthfully, there's always going to be somebody better than you. There's always going to be somebody more qualified than you. And the acceptance of that is what makes you great because you're not, you're no longer competing. So the idea of just not always being so precise and pristine and, and, and cookie cutter and a cardboard cutout is, is what's destroying your artistry because that's not who you are. Mm. When you look at Patti LuPone, she's not like anyone else. She's not the most amazing singer you've ever heard, but she gives you what she's got. So get behind what makes you you and not fall in love with, oh my God, I love Jeremy Jordan. I'm going to model everything I do after Jeremy Jordan. You are not Jeremy Jordan. <laughs> Thank you for that, because I think that's a reminder to myself that being me is okay and being me is special. I have three rapid fire questions for you. The first question is, what is your favorite project that you've performed in? Favorite project I've ever performed in, that's an easy one. Weird, but it was Titanic at Signature Theater. First show I've ever did where I felt like my race was not relevant. I felt like I was in a production where, yes, I were playing people who weren't of color, but I was very much like just someone in the cast, just telling a story. There was never a moment with, oh, and Kevin, you being Black, we'll figure this out. What is your favorite project that you've directed? Favorite project I've ever directed was Little Shop of Horrors at uh, Art Centric. We, we took the idea of Skid Row and set it as a 1970s uh, black exploitation thing. My last question for you is who's the person you look up to the most? My mother and my sisters, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I just think they're fantastic women. Um, I think they embody the idea of like women with voices. Toby Ornstein, I look up to her greatly. She's my reason for being on this path consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think most importantly, I respect anyone who is a black male in this industry. Um, anyone who has come before me, the Andre DeShields, the Norm Lewis, the Brian Stokes Mitchell, um, uh, the Ephraim Sykes, you know, like anyone who's doing the thing right now and is pushing open doors has my ultimate respect. And I've been lucky enough to pretty much meet all of them and give them thanks. Oh, wow. Kevin, thank you so much. This is a signing off from The Reprise. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. The Reprise is produced by Annie Fang, Jamie Joyen Waldorf, and Rachel Hahn, and hosted by myself, Adima Essien. We hope you subscribe and leave a rating on whichever platform you are listening to The Reprise on. You can follow us at YAA Alum on Instagram or visit www.yaa.org slash alumni to find out more information. Thanks for listening and we hope you tune in for the next episode of The Reprise.